Hello. Well, I'm very late this week getting this chat together. I usually like to try and do it on a on a Sunday night, but we've been away for 12 days in Northumberland Caravan. We came back on the Tuesday. Monday, when we were hoping to get things done, it was raining. And really, I couldn't very well do a do a chat with the rain beating on the roof of the caravan. We got out eventually and enjoyed the last part of the day. Then Tuesday was travelling home and it was torrential rain, trying to take the, the awning down and tidy everything up, disconnect all the electrics and do all the cleaning and up outside of what we had to gather together. We were both soaking wet by the time we'd finished. But we had a steady drive home, back safe and sound. Then yesterday was sorting the van out, cleaning it up, putting stuff away, emptying things out that we needed ready for going back to storage. Today, which is the Thursday, so today it was back into the storage with it. So it's Thursday night, and this is the first real opportunity I've had to give a chat. We had some fun while we were away. Monty had his first real experience of the beach. He's been on beaches before for odd bits of time, but we, we stayed for quite a while on the beach this time because we were there for 12 days. He let us down a little bit. We'd let him have a bit of freedom and let him run up and down the beach, but something caught his eye on about the third day and he, he disappeared into the distance down the beach and then into the dunes. He came back fairly quickly, but there was a bit of a, a moment when hearts were in mouths. Where's he gone? What's he doing? Because it wasn't far through the dunes and you're onto the, the road between Sea Houses and Beadnell, which is fairly busy. Anyway, he came back, all was safe and sound, so we've gone back to the training system now. A 10 metre lead, so as he can't get too far away and keep whistling him back to get him used to the idea of the whistle sounds, he comes back and he gets a treat. Problem is, while he's doing that, if he gets distracted, we can hold him back and pull him back. So it isn't really testing the power of the whistle. But we keep doing it until we get it right and he'll, he'll respond, he will get there. He's just too interested in other dogs and birds. He wants to play with other dogs and chase birds. He's not nasty to other dogs. In fact, there was a, a smallish dog on the beach running loose and he decided he was gonna run loose and go and run with it. One of the last nights we were there, we tried him loose and thought we'd give him a bit of a chance again. And every time he ran up to this little dog, it snarled, yapped and chased him away. But he couldn't take the hint, he kept going back for more going back and getting chased, going back and getting chased. In the end, we put him on the lead to give us all a bit of peace. But we had a good time. We had a wander around Bambra. We had a wander around Sea Houses. Went down to Beadnell Harbour on the last night when the weather cleared up. I like it round there. Down to Craster and get myself some kippers. 
park up in Craster, get the kippers and then walk across to Dunsterborough Castle. It's about a mile, mile and a bit from Craster to the castle and and back again. Get a drink of tea at the castle, drink of coffee, whichever you wish. It's good times, I love it up there. The only difference is now is it's packed. I've been there before without a problem, not many people around, plenty of room to park. Not this year. Mind you, there's several different publications keep saying, oh, Bamber is the, re the best resort in Britain. It isn't a resort, it's a village. If it's wet and at night, there is nothing there. It isn't a resort where there's entertainment and bright lights all the while. It's just like any other village, but it just happens to be close to the coast. There's a butcher's, there's a hotel, a couple of little cafe places, delicatessen, and that's about your lot. I did amuse myself the one afternoon, though. We were walking past, and there's a lovely cricket ground in the shadow of the castle. And there were two groups of people playing croquet at the side of the cricket ground. It's a long, long while since I last played croquet. But we, we found a bench close to where they were and I sat and watched them for a while. Brought back a few memories of when I have played it in the past. I didn't play it very often, but I learnt up all the rules and we got a, a full-size set and used it on the lawn at my dad's after we'd... His big garden that was his pride and joy as a veg garden, when he got ill, we turfed it all over and made it one big lawn. So we set our croquet court up on his big lawn and played there. Full-size stuff, it wasn't, wasn't a kid's toy or anything. Then on holiday at Galston-on-Sea, they had a season or two where they had a, a croquet court on the clifftops. They'd converted one of the old tennis courts into a croquet court. Entertaining stuff. If you play it the way you see it on the television, where you you hit one ball against the get the the other one to get at what they call a roquet, and then you play croquet with it, and that's when you see people quite illegally put the foot on one ball, smack it against the other, and it flies off into the flower beds or something. Not a sporting way of playing it, but is it is done that way in really serious people playing in the the. The grounds of the country houses, that's how they used to do it. Totally ungentlemanly. Anyway, we got back on the Tuesday night. Did the jobs that we were doing and Elaine's son came round. He's, his partner's changing jobs and they're thinking of joining together on a house. At the moment he lives quite close to us and she's up in North Derbyshire. But they are thinking of moving on together now. And she's going nearer Birmingham with her job. Which meant he'd been looking for houses, or they'd been looking for houses. And he came to tell us where they'd been going. 
I couldn't believe it. He brought back so many memories by what he was telling me. He'd gone to my old stamping ground, Orrewus, where I used to live, Kings Bromley, Barton under Needwood, neighbouring villages where friends of mine used to live. Used to go out to all of them regularly. Go to different pubs in some of them as I got older, go for a drink, meet mates there. And he was telling me the different parts he'd been to. And his, his mum Elaine said, well, there used to be a shop there, big fronted shop, delicatessen, grocers. That's where Dennis learnt his business. That's where he learnt the things he knows what to do. Yeah. I'm a bit rusty at filleting fish now, but yes. RJ Barker's on the main street. That's where I learnt how to fillet fish, bone bacon, slice ham. Many other little jobs, learnt to recognise fruit, recognise the quality of fruit, know my cheeses, cut them all up, served them all up. Did it for about four years while I was going through the sixth form and still studying. Old Mr Barker and I got on quite well. He had been known to be a bit short-tempered with some of the staff, but... He and I got on very well. I know I hadn't been there long when he says, do you know how to drive? I said, yeah. He says, will you take my car and do some delivering? Yeah, yeah, sure. And Mrs Barker walked over to me and whispered, she says, you're honoured. He doesn't even let his own son drive his car. But I never let him down. And as Elaine's lad was telling me what things that he'd been doing it it brought back so many memories he was talking about a certain area and I said oh yeah I used to deliver there because we'd got a reputation that we delivered to the big houses if the people at Canton Hall wanted a certain vegetable or a certain brand of something Mr Barker used to buy a case of it in even if they were the only customers they were big customers and if they wanted something, we got it for them, just to keep their custom for the other things that they bought on a regular basis. The same applied to several. Croxall Hall, Catton Hall, Walton Hall, Orgreave Hall, Oliver's Hayes, Oliver's House. All of them we delivered to. Wichner Hall. Yes. <laughs> Funnily enough, my memory was jolted about four years ago, I think it was. Elaine had got some offers that she could accept, one of which was a, a meal at Wichner Hall in the restaurant. She said, would I be interested? I loved it. I could walk in through the door and into the hall. Every time I'd been before, I was delivering groceries and I had to go round past the dog kennels and in through the back door and deliver there. So I took great delight in, after the meal, wandering into the main hall and having a look at the main entrance hall and the main, the main doors and the entrance. It took me about 
50 odd years to manage to do that, but I've done it. As I say, happy memories. Different things kept flooding back to me. Telling Chris about some of the, the customers we'd got. Some of the pranks that different ones used to get up to. So it set me thinking, I wonder if there's any photos of it. So I kept looking online for photos of Oriwas, photos of Oriwas Main Street, to see what could I get. I got just about every other view of Oriwas by the view of the shop that I'm talking about. Some of them were quite old photos as well. Photos of the place as I remember it, not as it looks now with all the modern developments and modern buildings. So many different ones now knocked down that I used to go to. But there is so much that I remember, so much hasn't changed. He was talking about schools and how the schools had managed. I said, oh, my old school is now a private house, I'm afraid. Still there, still standing, though it's not been knocked down, so I can go back and reminisce if I want to. Double reminiscence now if I go back there, though. It's just about a hundred yards down the road from Kent's Bridge. Kent's Bridge, is go, Kent's Bridge goes over the canal, and then you walk down the road, which runs parallel to the canal and down to the school. That's where I got my first taste for canal boats and canal life. We used to do nature walks from the primary school along the canal bank down towards Wichner. But it's a bit poignant now. I very often park on that road if I go for a canal walk either up to Wichner as I've just said or back along the other way to Fradley Junction. And I park on that road. And when I do, I'm about 20 yards away from a memorial bench dedicated to our original lead drummer in the scout band. Big mate was John. Did a lot of things together. He, uh, he asked me to be best man at his wedding, which was quite an honour. I'd never thought of that with him. I'd been best man with the drum major of the band. We'd been big mates for many years. And although I was friends with John, I wasn't expecting him to ask me. But I did. We made a decent job of it between us. But yes, sadly a few years ago he... He suffered, well, I think he had one stroke and recovered to a great degree, but was never as well as he had been before. And then apparently he had another stroke during the night, a few years later, which was fatal. So, yes, there's a, a bench that his old workmates at British Rail had erected for him. Just as you turn down Millen Lane off the main street in Kent's Bridge, The only problem is that you go to these sort of places and I go back to Kings Bromley. Chris was saying there's this there and that there and I was saying yes and 
it used to be this and then they altered that and then something else happened and then we talked about the canal I says yeah the canal goes along they were talking about lots of water I said well there is a sailing club there or used to be in an old disused gravel pit the Trent Mersey Canal is just a bit further up where they've built a new marina now Kings Bromley Marina and then you travel back about three miles to Olrewis and you meet up with the Trent Mersey Canal again But yes, reminiscing about different things. And sadness started to creep in a little bit as well. So many things that had happened. Was it A.E. Houseman who had the famous quote? Into my heart, an air that kills from yon far country blows. What are those blue remembered hills? What farms, what spires are those? It ends the land of lost content, I see it shining plain. The happy highways where we went, but cannot come again. Yeah. Great times. Enjoyable times. But so long in the past now. The only existing memories of those of us that are left. The funny thing is that I've now reached the ripe old age of 70 and I remember working in the shop in my late teens, wasn't quite 20, old enough to drive but not 20 and Mr Barker, the owner, was carrying a sack of potatoes on his shoulder into the shop. And the lady walking past said, Oh, Mr Barker, you'll shorten your life doing that. I remember him plainly now saying, Well, I'm 73 now. I'm not going to take much off it, am I? And yes, he was a fit and healthy 73-year-old man carrying sacks of potatoes and working all hours, moving boxes of apples and other heavy goods. And I'd like to think that I'm now 70 and I'm still capable of doing a lot of the sort of things that he did. But it's as time progresses. At that point I thought, yeah, 73, you're old, mate. I'm only three years younger and I don't think I am old. In my head I'm still 27. Why 27 I don't know, but in my head I still think I'm 27. There are times when I try and do something and after I've tried it, it doesn't work out how it's intended and I think you're soft sod, you're getting old, mate. Calm down. But I like to think I'm still capable. We zoomed around with the caravan, we got stuff done, we got the awning up and down, staked everything out. Still capable of wheeling the water to, from the tap to the van and taking the waste away and tipping it out. And that's what it's all about. Keeping active. Monty sees to that. We take him a walk two, three times a day. Good wander round. Sometimes Elaine and myself go together. Sometimes we go at different times. Particularly in the morning. 
he usually wakes up about quarter past seven so one of us takes it in turns to get up rather than us both getting up early mind you since we've come back he's a bit of a we haven't got anything for him to sleep in in the caravan we did try taking a bed for him but he ignored it so he either sleeps on a bunk or curls up at the foot of our bed in the caravan unfortunately going for 12 days he's got used to the idea so we put him in his overnight crate cum kennel at home and after about an hour he starts protesting about it so the first night I got up about 20 past one and the second night Elaine got up about quarter past two so we've both been fairly shattered today but no doubt he'll get back into the routine he'll get used to it again he's been away in the van before but only for three or four days so he soon settled down on those occasions but going away for so long it's going to take him a while to get used to the the routine again can't blame him I think I'd feel the same one of the things that did delight me yesterday while I was looking through the various photos I found a photograph of Oliver station a good old one when it has still got the original wooden crossing gates that when when a train came there was a big wheel in the corner of the signal box and you wound the wheel and the gates swung across and closed the road off to traffic while the train went past and then wind the wheel the other way to shut the gates against the railway and let the traffic through as a ladder went up there several times watching different signalmen doing their job made me mind up at one stage I wanted to do that when I grew up my dad said you had better I want you to do better than that <laughs> yeah he was right I did okay out of it yes I know one stormy night the uh, the signals in those days were paraffin lamps with different coloured glass and when the, the signal had got a red and a green glass and the old semaphore signal it either went up or down depending on it was an upper or a down and a lower quadrant and it altered from a red glass in front of the paraffin lamp to a green one and vice versa but on this night it was a snowy haily night and it was cold and the hail and snow had collected on the glass of the signal and the train driver hadn't seen the colour of the glass he should have stopped at the home signal but he didn't he came whistling down through the station and took the crossing gates with him for several hundred yards down the track the other side Fortunately, there was no traffic about, otherwise he'd have collected a car or two as well. They're automatic barriers now that... Uh, well, I don't think they're automatic. I think the signalman is still there operating some of the signals. And I think he has to press the button to lower the barriers to 
stop traffic going over. I don't know the signalman there now. I've not had a chance to have a chat with them to see how it all works. My dad worked there for a while. He'd originally been in working around different signal boxes in Burton and then he went to Witchner sidings. And then when somebody retired at Witchner, he came to Olrivers. It's only about 100 yards down the road from where we lived in Olrivers, so that was good. That was good. But there aren't that many photos of Olrivers station. And this was a great one, looking down the track towards the signal box, the wooden crossing gates. And you could see the buildings and the platforms on both sides of the rails. The one side had got the station master's house, the booking office, the waiting room and other buildings on it. The other side was just a bit of a shelter with the lamp room with all the paraffin and all the wicks and all the different lamps in that the porters had to top up and go and replace in the signals every couple of days. So that was how it looked and it looked brilliant exactly as the memory came back to me. I hadn't imagined it, that was what our station looked like. Then Dr Beeching closed it and it was all ripped away, you wouldn't know it had been there now. Many happy times playing in amongst the different warehouses in the station yard. They got some that were railway vans that had been taken off their bogies and hoisted up onto platforms made of sleepers built up to the height so as you came off a, a railway wagon and went straight into the side of the, the shed at the same height so as you could go in and out with a trolley to unload or load going the other way. So yes, brought back great memories. I always remember in the waiting room there was an old pram and it had got all sorts of different things piled up in it and a cover over it and it was there for years and years and years but every so often what to me as a child in those days was an old lady used to turn up and she'd take the pram out push it down the road to a wide grass verge just short of our house as you came away from the station and sit there and get a teacup and different things out of it. She'd get a flask out of her bag and a sandwich and she'd sit there and have a picnic on the grass verge just past the entrance to the goods yard to the station. And then she'd have a wander around, put the pram back and disappear again. She paid storage for this pram. It was there officially. She hadn't dumped it. She paid for storage. And as I say, every so often she'd turn up, get the stuff out and put it back again. Whether it was a sentimental memory or what it was, I never knew. I don't think anybody found out. But she paid her dues. So that was it. Strange memory, that one. Strange memory. But it depended who was station master at the time. The original station master, when I was growing up, that I can remember, was fairly strict, as they were in those days. 
But once I got to about six, seven, eight, different people moved into the station house. They got children more my age. The station master changed. He was just a relief one. And the porters were always friendly. So us kids used to go in the station yard and, and play around, play hide and seek. Occasionally we'd, we'd play cricket and use one of the storage bins as a wicket and spread out around the yard as fielders. And the porters in between trains, if there was nothing busy and no goods to shift, came and formed a, a, a match with us. They played along with us. Which proved quite decent in the end because some of them were cricketers to a degree and played in the local home cup. A knockout cup competition where the scouts, different pubs, different workplaces put a team in in a knockout cup competition in the village. I played for the scouts on several occasions and a couple of the porters ended up on the opposite side. So there was a, a bit of needle in those matches. Remember when you went to the station yard? I said, yes, I do. And I remember you used to hit the ball back at me as hard as you could. So it's my turn tonight. I'm bigger and older, mate. Yeah. Yes, happy times all round. As I say, just memories now. You can't revisit. It's one of those things that if you go back, it's not the same. And you begin to wonder whether your memories are right or whether they're not. Same thing happened to me at Great Yarmouth. I used to go there regular as a child and absolutely loved it. Went a couple of times with Elaine and the Venetian waterways were crumbling and neglected. Different things that were along the seafront had gone and there was just car parks, empty spaces. It distressed me greatly. The things that I had found so enjoyable had gone. I've not been back since. In fairness, I have seen on the television that the Venetian waterways have been restored and they look very good again. Very good. But I know I took my children there as they were growing up and things were very much the same as they were when I was young and they thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I stood next to different amusements and watched my two going round on the amusements and thinking, I remember my dad standing there and watching me doing the same thing. There used to be a place called, I think it's still there, a place called Joyland next to Britannia Pier. And they had a little ride for children where you sat in a, a big snail and chugged round this little railway through ornamental gardens and everything. And thrill of thrills for a young child, there was a bit of a, a sort of a big dipper at the end. As you turn back towards the, the start, it went over a couple of, I mean, they're only about three foot high, but little hills and you got a bit of speed on and a bump and a jerk as it went over the hills. That was still there and they had as much enjoyment out of that as I did. They loved it. <laughs> I've got a sneaking feeling the last time I was there they were still operating. 
God knows how old they are. They were there. They were there sixty odd years ago, to my knowledge. Hey, good luck to them. Happy times. As I say, the daftest of things. My stepson wanting a new house brought a whole host of memories and a whole host of searching on the internet to see if I could find photographs to prove that my memories were right. I found some. I found some photos of Oliver Hayes or Grief Hall, one or two places that I used to deliver to. And yes, they were impressive country houses. I used to go there. I used to know the people who lived there. Yeah, I've not had a bad time in my life. I, I grew up with some crazy people, but they've last, left lasting happy memories of both people and places. I hope the children that are around today in 50, 60 years time have the same fondness for what is happening to them. I hope so, because it's a lovely feeling. Ten hour for now.